Let's talk about Riverside.fm, the leading podcast and video creation platform that's changing the game on how creators record content. Riverside.fm allows you to record studio quality audio and up to 4K video on their platform. Now you can interview a guest a thousand miles away and it'll sound like you're sitting in the same room. It's as easy to use as Zoom, but gives much higher quality audio and video recordings. Did we mention that they have a mobile app? This allows guests to connect directly from their phone and record content from anywhere. After your content is finished, you can easily grab clips to share them across your social media channels. So if you're looking for a hero platform for all your recording needs, from podcasts to webinars to other video content, you should be using Riverside FM. Sign up today so you can focus on your content and leave the quality to Riverside FM. Use promo code SHIPIT and receive a 30% discount on your first three months of your subscription. That's promo code SHIPIT to receive a 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. Back to the show. Welcome to episode number 54 of the Giant Take Podcast. I am Josh, and I am not joined by my co-host, Alex, today. Um, Alex is dealing with a little bit of a throat issue. He's not able to talk right now. He does not have a voice. So um, that's not the best thing when you have a New York Giants podcast because you can't uh, get your episodes out. We were waiting for a little bit to see if we could get it out by Saturday or Sunday. Like I said, we were trying to aim for the weekend. Um, I actually wanted to record Thursday night, to be honest, when we were up uh, when we were up by, by about a touchdown, um, cause I was very excited that we were going to be able to get the win. And I really wanted to record one Thursday night or Friday morning and get it out as soon as possible. But, um, Alex lost his voice due to the game, um, and some numerous other things as well. So he's not able to record with me today. Uh, just some stuff I wanted to get into real quick in this little tiny intro, as you can tell from the title of this episode, um, Justin Panic, who's a great friend of the show. Um, was able to guest co-host with me today a little bit, uh, and we talk about the game. Uh, from He's from Talking Giants and Bleeding Blue, so please go subscribe to those podcasts on all the platforms that you find them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so let, let's just get this started here. I'll get this out of the way real quick. The Giants did lose to the Philadelphia Eagles, twenty-two to twenty-one. Another game that came down that another game that came down to really one play, uh, and that play was a drop ball by Evan Ingram. And, you know, we get to that in, I don't want to call an interview. I, I would say we get to that in this episode. This is kind of the intro to the episode. Um, and then one more thing, we are now brand ambassadors with Sided. So our Sided Giant take question of the week from last week was, can the Giants defense hold the Eagles to under 20 points? Um, and there was a yes, no, maybe option. The uh, biggest answer for people was from uh, 60% no. 24% yes, and 60% maybe, um, 16% maybe. Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it was definitely no. I, actually, it wasn't definitely a no. It was no, but yeah, I definitely no because the New York Giants did not hold them to under 20, uh, but very close, 22 points, uh, very low scoring game again. It was really a battle of the NFC East teams. I mean, I, I mean, you could tell it was kind of a sloppy game, but the Giants played... Okay, uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, not so well in the fourth quarter. Um, they gave up a lead. I mean, what else can you expect from the Giants? Uh, I, I've still been talking to Alex about it. I think this actually got to me this game when it comes to the hope level. Um, my hope level got very high when they were up in this game. And again, you know, they, they let me down. So uh, I really don't know. <laughs> what to do. I actually wish I went to bed a little earlier. didn't stay up for that awful game, but it is what it is. The Giants are now one in six this season. They sit at the bottom of the NFC East. We'll find out what the deal is. Uh, who's in first place right now. It's the Philadelphia Eagles at two, four and one. And then the Cowboys and the Washington football team will be playing today. And that'll decide uh, the, the standings from there. 
All right. So I think I think that's it. I think I covered really anything in this everything in this mini intro. Um, we're going to have our next episode out Thursday. I'll probably mention that in the outro, but yeah, Thursday, like normal, we'll have guests on to help preview the Monday Night Football, another primetime game for the New York Giants, Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the New York Giants, uh, Tom Brady returning to MetLife Stadium, and it, it'll be fun. It'll be a good one, hopefully. Um, I'm, I'm a little nervous for that one, actually very nervous, but, you know, because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do look pretty good with all their weapons, and now they have Antonio Brown, so we'll see how that one works out. And, um... Yeah, so episode Thursday, hopefully Alex will be back by then. If not, uh, you'll definitely hear me, and or hopefully hear me. I don't want to say anything definite, but hopefully Alex will be back. Hopefully you hear me, and um, yeah, but next episode will be out on Thursday. That's a definite, so I'll tell you that much. All right, so let's go to the episode with myself and Justin Panic. All right, so we had that little intro right in the beginning, kind of me introducing the setting here. Um, we have a giant take Hall of Famer with us right now, the only giant take Hall of Famer. Um, I guess uh, guest now promoted to emergency co-host. Um, mm. I don't really know what we even call it anymore. But uh, yeah, Alex is in here. So we have the emergency co-host of Justin Penick here from, I already said it, but whatever, Talking Giants and Bleeding Blue. So you're here once again. Um, Justin, how are you today? Well, I wish we could be talking on a win. So we're talking on a very, <laughs> this is an interesting game that I'm choosing, that, that we are, that, we, uh, that I'm filling in for, for Alex. Alex, I hope you're feeling better. And I hope you will be back next week. But this is quite the game that we're going to be, talking about um i'm glad that it, we're recording on a sunday and i'm glad that giants football isn't on so we could just enjoy giants football rather than all that and being sad i'm doing well josh how are you yeah I'm, I'm doing good i'm doing good um i mean the nfc east just looks awful uh and the giants look awful so you know the, there's yeah. two things that are pretty similar there i, I think that we're going to um see an interesting game between uh, we're recording this Sunday afternoon, so I don't know if this will come out Sunday night or Monday, but we're going to see an interesting game between the Washington football team and Cowboys. I think that could actually be high scoring as well. And maybe the football team will be the same record as the Giants, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the Giants lost to the Philadelphia Eagles 22-21. to 21. Uh, I think what I'll do here is I'll can I kind of go through the Giants' uh, touchdowns and then, you know, we'll talk about the, the game. So what I first want to get to is – Golden Tate caught a pass for 39 yards, a beautiful dime from Daniel Jones, and uh, a good little move right at the end there by Golden Tate being able to get into the end zone uh, and get a touchdown. So, uh, Justin, I guess your, your thoughts on that. Yeah. That play is the epitome of who Golden Tate is as a football player, but particularly who he has been as a player for the Giants. Golden Tate has been one of the worst receivers in the National Football League the last two years of getting separation, at getting separation. And that's been the Giants' problem, even with Pat Shermer. I know Pat Shermer's offense was a lot more high-scoring than this Jason Garrett offense. It was a lot more explosive than this Jason Garrett offense, and that's not saying a ton. But Daniel Jones was putting up points. He was putting up yards. He was moving drives. And that one play is the epitome of Golden Tate's time with the Giants where no separation, it is required that Daniel Jones has a perfectly, perfectly placed football, and then Golden Tate just gets yards after the catch. That's the epitome of who he is, and it's incredibly frustrating, but when Golden Tate can provide you that, it's good. But the problem this year is that it just has not been enough. Blame Jason Garrett, yes. Blame Golden Tate, I 100% do, because I don't think Golden Tate, you even see him out there sometimes he it just doesn't look like he's giving maximal effort. He, it's clear he does not want to be out there. So I wanted to start with that because we had a Giants touchdown sometimes or in the beginning of the season, that was very rare. So I wanted to start out with that. Uh, right before that, the Eagles had a nice 11 pace, 11 play, uh, 75 yard drive that it looked like Patrick Graham's zone uh, just was not working. Every receiver had kind of separation by at least three mm -hmm. to five feet. 
uh, catching the football. We had the two, literally, literally the two first plays after we heard that Deshaun Jackson was going to play after the injury. And we just see two first downs by him. Uh, that got me nervous right in the beginning. We're like, okay, um, is Deshaun Jackson going to become Deshaun Jackson like 2.0 against the Giants? And, you know, we, we kind of saw that right in the beginning. Uh, the fourth and one, uh, a gutsy call. They got it though, so you know nothing really there. Is a Carson Wentz like three yards? Hey, that's that's coach like that. that's coaching aggressive, and Doug Peterson has been doing that. Um, and sometimes they can get you into trouble, like Riverboat Ron and and, and the Washington <laughs> Football Team the previous week. But largely for Doug Peterson, it's worked out in his favor, and I think Joe Judge should be taking some notes on that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, in terms of that first drive, what I feel we're starting to see, you know, now that we're we're a solid what, seven games into the season now, yep. we're starting to see a little bit of, okay, here's a little bit of an issue with Patrick Graham's defense and this defensive unit as a whole. And it's very similar to something that we saw in 2019. No matter how impressed we have been with Graham's defense as a whole, the first and last drives of games, you know, especially the first drive, that's the thing that connects them to the 2019 team and James Betcher's defense. First drive of the game, it's almost automatic for some teams going down and just at least putting three points on the board. Dallas went right down that first drive and Darnay Holmes had a nice play on CD lamb for the pass deflection to force a field goal. The Rams went right down and scored. The Eagles have gone right down and scored. We're seeing a little bit of a trend. And what is concerning is that your best plays on both the offensive side and the defensive side of the ball, your best plays and your bread and butter of your game plan should be your first series. It's not like, oh, the fifth series of the game is where we're really going to roll out our our best play calls. No, it's your first series, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You want your best play calls. You know That's going to be the stuff that works. That's going to be the stuff that you draw up and practice all week. What are we going to do first? So what we're seeing with Patrick Graham's defense is a lot of ground being given up on the first series of the game. And what that does is you know it automatically puts this Giants offense behind early when this is not really a football team that's designed to play from behind because they're not a big play offense. And I think what we saw a lot in the first half and basically the whole game, but then I looked at um, the um, possession, how long each team had the possession. I feel like the Giants did not have it uh, for long in this game. Yet when I looked right at the end, uh, it was actually 32 minutes to 27 minutes, uh, the Eagles winning that. And I think that most of it really came in that really good uh, 15 play drive by the New York Giants that took about eight minutes, but that would end the first half of the touchdowns. Um, you had a Jake Elliott field goal right at the end. And I got my first wave of Twitter hate. I've never had that before. That was a, wow. that was fun. I made a comment on, I, I didn't say, okay, so, so here's my point of view. I tweeted out um, when Daniel Jones had the tip pick uh, by another catch that Evan Ingram couldn't make. So mm-hmm. how ironic that is, but, I, I just tweeted out, so there you go, Giants fans, another Daniel Jones interception. Now, the way I, I guess I phrased that could have definitely been taken the wrong way, which it was by uh, Giants fans who were definitely mm-hmm. pissed at the time. Uh, they used that anger to get towards me. Um, I think at one point um, our podcast were, were, was getting uh, taken in um, to account, and you know that was nice by that by the Twitter community. But uh, yeah, I, I back myself. Nice, up is an in, nice is an interesting way to describe that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so that, that was interesting. I've never gotten that before. What I mainly was just kind of pointing out there was that's just another turnover stat that you can add to, you know, to the stat line of Daniel Jones when it comes to interceptions and, and fumbles. Um, and that was all. Yeah, on sometimes, sometimes Twitter can, be taken very much out of context where, you know, I think we very much understand that he, the ball, he, he put some mustard on that ball. First of all, Daniel Jones did, but we very much understand it was in Evan Ingram's hands. He should have caught the ball, but we are getting to a point where it's, you know, come on, we, we are a year and a half into this. And, you know, last year it was on Jones, the turnover worthy plays and the turnovers were on Jones. Now we're in year two. And we're still turning over the ball almost at the same rate, at least once every game. 
And this year, it's 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 mostly not his fault. So you know, <clears throat> at least at least you know the ones that are going to Evan Ingram, which I'm trying to scroll and find Katie Sharp, KT Sharp, the queen of Yankees uh, Twitter stats. She tweeted out something absurd, and I'm having trouble finding it. But on the top of my brain, she pulled up that when Evan, when Jan- Daniel Jones is targeting Evan Ingram this year, he has like a 30 passer rating, 30. Hmm. And this is the passer rating that's out of 158.3, not, you know, one of the ESPN or QBR or anything like that. That's that's tougher. That's out of 100, 30 passer rating out of the 158.3 passer rating. Uh, That is absurd. We are now getting to the point where forcing the ball to Evan Ingram and trying to get him to do something is severely hurting the football team. And I saw some of that data. I even was looking at some EPA stuff, which is basically just measuring efficiency and how well is a certain player operating in terms of working towards putting points on the board. And Evan Ingram is just so low. He is, he's hurting the team, hurting, you know, it, it, so I don't know. There has to be a conversation, you know, maybe coming off the buy of really phasing out Evan Ingram. It has to happen because the Giants have to be not not just looking at the film. They have to be looking at these numbers and seeing just how much he is severely hurting the football team and happened in the first half and not, you know, let alone ignoring what he did in the fourth quarter. Uh, We had Wayne Gallman score a touchdown uh, in in the third quarter. So that's going to put the score at 21-10 or 14-10. Sorry, so I'm already getting ahead of myself, so I'll just go to that right now. Uh, the best drive of the game for the New York Giants was a 15-play, 97-yard drive. Wait, before, already... before we get to the 15-play drive, okay. the four-play drive, the 86-yarder that was capped off by Wayne Gallman. Oh, yes, right. That was the, that's, this is where we had what honestly <laughs> would have been if, if we won. I was telling Snacks this, which is the co-host of Bleeding Blue. It's a Giants history podcast mainly an off-season show. We're trying to get it going in the, during the regular season. But I was telling him, said, Snacks, if we won that game, that would have been a play that we would have been talking about on Bleeding Blue five, ten years from now as one of the funniest but greatest plays in franchise history. Daniel Jones reaches a speed almost as fast as Tyreek Hill, faster than Lamar Jackson, and – falls and stumbles because he's just such a goofy guy (laughs) you know know, it's happy that you know we're happy that we scored a touchdown off of it but since we lost I guarantee you it's something that nobody is gonna remember it's gonna be one of those things hey remember when that happened and we lost it's not going to be one of those things that we actually try to bring up because we're happy so I want to hear your thoughts on that play and you know what what you were reacting to at the time yeah, actually, thank you for bringing that up because I almost I almost forgot about that. And I was looking right because uh, I have it pulled up and it says four plays, 88 yards. And I'm like, wait, how do we that quick? Like, what yeah, am I forgetting? Yeah. But um, yeah, <laughs> I can't believe that he actually passed Lamar Jackson. Was it this year his fastest run or was it like all time for them? I think Jackson? it was Lamar because Lamar Jackson has been in the league for three years, but he's been starting pretty much for two. Right. Um, and I think that it was any speed that Lamar Jackson has ran in the open field, Daniel Jones reached. Now, I don't know. The thing is, is that if you were to put Lamar Jackson and Daniel Jones at like a 40 a yard dash, you know, I, I still think Lamar would win. <laughs> um, you know, you could look at their 40 yard times for the combine, which I actually think I should do that. But yeah, it just it, it's insane. Just an insane play, an insane occurrence. So I, I wanted to bring it up. Yeah, no, no, no. It was perfect. No, my my thoughts on it was um, it it was two. It was holy shit. And it was you got to be kidding me. Those are my (laughs) those are my two thoughts. Really? I mean, once he breaks, once he (laughs) breaks past the defensive line, the linebackers, I'm like thinking because the, the Fox camera angles, you know, like kind of out. And then you're just thinking mm-hmm. he gets past the 50 and you're like, okay, like, but where are the safeties? And there's just no one to be seen. It's just open field all the way. You get to the 15, 10, and oh, he's down. <laughs> he was tripping for 15 yards. And the whole thing about the safeties, I was actually live on Periscope. And I was saying the same thing. Where are the safeties deep down the middle of the field? You want to know what that tells me? 
shame on Jason Garrett because if there are no deep safeties to try and defend a big play, which never happens on this offense, but shame on Jason. He should be looking at that film and be embarrassed looking at that because are there do, do NFL defenses just not respect the Giants enough to have a safety that the whole purpose of a safety of a deep center field safety is to save big plays like that from being touchdowns. There's just no respect, no respect. And that, so I, I, while I'm laughing, I was hysterically laughing, hysterically laughing while also thinking in the back of my brain, we're probably not going to score this touchdown because we are a terrible red zone offense. (laughs) That was also a fear. (laughs) It's it's funny. We got to but, third yeah. and goal at that point too. We got, yeah, that was... and it it took it took a fir- it took an automatic <laughs> first down. It took a penalty. Oh, oh my goodness! That yeah, but that that was yeah. So those were my two thoughts really uh, yeah. <laughs> during that run. And then you have in the fourth quarter, just you know, back and forth, no scoring uh, until we get down to you know the final minutes of the game, and just like this whole or. A lot of games this Giants season, I would say, it really can't. It comes down to that fourth quarter, uh, the, the final drives. The Giants are up at this point, twenty-one to ten. <laughs> twenty-one to ten. They need two touchdowns. We're, we don't think, you know, we're Giants fans. So, Justin, I mean, we don't think that this game is over. <sighs> I honestly, I thought it was. I really thought it was. And call me naive, right? I guess I'm not. I, I've been hurt enough. I'm not going to say I guess I haven't been hurt enough. No, I've, we, we've all been hurt enough. But you saw on that 15-play drive, and even when we got the ball back after Philly scored their touchdown and it was 21-16, to 16, you saw the plan unfolding. This Giants team was built to play with the lead. Saquon Barkley, I know he's out. Saquon Barkley, you have a running back and you invest in offensive linemen because you want to invest playing with the lead. Clearly, this Giants team and how it was designed this year was not designed for Daniel Jones to drop back 40, 45 times a game and slinging slinging it around the field and especially down the field. It's either Jason Garrett is a philosophical thing or they just don't believe Daniel Jones can do it, which I think is which I think is ludicrous because twenty five percent of Daniel Jones's passing attempts last year were from fifteen yards or more, and this year it it's probably still around ten percent. I haven't checked the data in about two weeks, but it's probably still around ten percent. That is a substantial difference. So this Giants team was clearly built to play with the lead and run the ball. Because what are you doing when you're playing from behind? You're throwing the ball. What are you doing when you're playing with the lead? You're running the ball. And you saw it on that 15-play drive. You had quick intermediate passing from Daniel Jones. Nice 11-yard gain to Darius Slayton. Nice 7-yard pass to Sterling Shepard. You saw a ton of Sterling Shepard on third down today, moving the chains. You saw a ton of Sterling Shepard catching the ball in the intermediate short part of the field. That's what he's known for. That's what he's best known for. And it's why he's so important, because he's the best route runner on the team. So he actually can create separation unlike Golden Tate and Darius Slayton is more of the deep option. Anyway, that's his role. And then you saw nice runs. You saw a run of four yards, saw a 19 yard run by Deion Lewis. So all of these things were kind of piling on top of each other and the giants offense, they've been able to sustain pretty long drives this year. It's just been the question of how can we put seven points on the board instead of three, but that drive we did, we put seven points on the board. So I thought it was over. Because the drive took up eight minutes and because Carson Wentz in the second and the third quarter looked bad, looked bad, but I was disappointed. Yeah, we have the Eagles coming back on the field and Carson Wentz got sacked on a second down. Of course, uh, legal contact by Ryan Lewis has to be a penalty that's called. That led to a high tower 60 yard gain almost uh, enough more penalties on the Giants defense. This time it's a too many men call. You know, how unlucky can we get? And I was going to actually tweet out right during this drive, I think it was, the Giants have been, I was going to say something like, it looks like the refs are actually favoring the Giants in this one because the last two games, uh, what was it, Cowboys and the football team, I feel like it was against us. A lot of calls against us. Yeah, Yeah. it was bad. And I was like, wow, they've been calling some good calls again. And then 
too many men call. You know, the the illegal con I mean, ugh, and then that ends in a in a Greg Ward touchdown. Yeah. So so basically, you know, we could talk about we'll we'll lump we'll lump in the conversation of the defensive collapse in in this one point right here, because I want to talk about the defense. So they have that big play, they eventually they score the touchdown, the two point conversion fails, and you're still feeling good, even with that two point conversion failing, you know, that that helped the Giants. The Giants have five plays and then they punt. That's with Evan Ingram. We'll kind of skip over that, but I want to go back to talking about the defense. And then there's a six play, 75 yard drive. And lo and behold, you blink and the Giants are down by one. Now, I had this point, and I usually, my brain usually doesn't go here after a game, but seeing who the Giants had out there, right? Or let's even go back to who we had out there versus Dallas and Washington. Darnay Holmes. Was playing pretty well, playing much better than I expected. Tay Crowder was emerged as the number two interior linebacker on the team. Those two guys basically go down. What what was the difference between the defense against Washington and Dallas? Because O'Shane was out. Lorenzo Carter was out for most of the Dallas game, and he and he was out for the Washington game. So yes, those are two very big losses right there. But where I feel like this defense really fell apart is Darnay Holmes and Tay Crowder. And the fact that this unit fell apart when you lost a fourth-round rookie and Mr. Irrelevant, when Dave Gettleman has had three years, three years to get some sort of depth on this defense, and you see that when those two guys go down and they are all additions that were added this year, and Nate Ebner has to come in. Devontae Downs has to come in. Logan Ryan is has to go to slot corner when he's been playing the majority of safety. You know, I got I got very, very frustrated. And I almost this game I feel was more on Dave Gettleman's mismanagement the last three years than it was on anybody on the defensive side of the ball. Because there is no reason why two rookies were so relied upon the previous two weeks and then they're gone. And then the unit almost looks lost. Am I stretching there? No, no, you aren't. You aren't. You aren't at all. Uh, I, and I think, I think this is it for Gettleman. I mean, we we talked about in the beginning of the season, uh, if the Giants get less than four wins, five wins, six wins, he's out. And we're one and six right now, and I, I don't think it's getting any better from here. So I think he's gone. I'm still I mean, worried. Yeah, and you already saw I, I already saw that um, that uh, your guy Dan Duggan tweeted out some some options uh, that the Giants might be going after uh, for for GMs, uh, and you know, I guess I guess we'll just have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, the Giants then give up a Boston Scott touchdown. Daniel Jones does one of his classic fumbles. Uh, I don't really know if that was on him, but. You know, could have been an offensive line. And they struck – all right, that's a game. Giants lose 22-21 to the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, let, let's start with the offensive line, unless you have something to get to first. Do we, do we want to go back to Engram, or do we want to save Engram for a little later? Right after the offensive line. Because right I after actually the offensive wanna, line. Yeah, I want, I want to go to that because we saw two rookies uh, in Matt Paired and in Andrew Thomas especially – um, the, the reason I say, especially for him is because he was our fourth pick in the NFL draft mm-hmm. struggle more than we've yeah. ever seen him struggle before. I would say this season. Uh, and that's scary when you're hoping to see progression and you're seeing a little bit of a downgrade, uh, yep. going into week seven. So Justin, go ahead. Yeah. The thing with Andrew Thomas and, you know, he's, he's a rookie. Left tackles, probably it's the second most valuable position in the NFL. But you can argue that maybe it is the third most difficult to learn and adjust to in the NFL. Quarterback and cornerback, QB, CB, being number one and number two, in my opinion. The thing that most concerned me about Andrew Thomas against Philly on Thursday night was this game. Not only did you see the physical aspects of him fall like being at fault and losing in that way where sometimes he's sometimes he's leaning sometimes he's getting beat by an inside move which we knew he got beat by inside moves based off of his tape at georgia 
not only the physical aspects, but he just looked lost. There has been very little times this year where I felt that Andrew Thomas has looked lost or he hasn't looked confident. And we find we finally saw that this week against Philly, where the confidence just seems to be at an all-time low for him. And it's bad. It was the worst game. <laughs> it was the worst game that we that we have seen from him. There were a couple times where Philly did some nice things where they were stunting another man going around the edge, but you had maybe a defensive lineman going towards his inside shoulder. So then he had to make a decision on which guy he was going to go and block. You know, what you want to see there is you want to see a guy make a decision and make a decision confidently to at least get one guy. And then maybe you can have a guard coming across and getting the edge guy. Or if you choose to go and get the guy that's going towards your outside shoulder, you can trust that the guy next to you is going to pick him up or a, a running back or a tight end can pick a guy, a blitzing guy up and a free rain rusher. Trust the guys around you that if, that if there's two guys coming at your face, trust the guys around the, that you're, that they're at least going to get one because your responsibility is to at least block one guy, not block two guys. And there were a couple of times where he just let both go because he was just so unsure of where to go and what to do. Um, so concern for Andrew Thomas is there. Bobby on Talking Giants was saying a little bit more, you know, if they want to move him to right tackle, he would not be so opposed to it. I'm still I, I am still of the belief of let the kid play, let the kid continue to get reps, let the kid continue to get better. The people in the building know him better than I do. If you sense that he is so frustrated and he's losing confidence in himself, then you can make a move. But if he's staying resolute and he's continuing to work hard, let him go out there and get the reps. Um, because who are you going to put out there? You're going to put Fleming out there. You're going to put Parrot out there. You know, we saw Parrot in, and he, him, and Andrew Thomas simultaneously a lot of sack. So it's it's a tough, tough situation. Still think he's been better than Nate Solder, and I will die on that take. Yeah, kind of forgot about Nate Solder. <laughs> he is honest. still on the team. That's the crazy <laughs> yeah, thing. That he is still on the team. Yep. <laughs> And, and I hate doing this because I, I hate going back in time and, and talking about this, but I would say this is the, f- the first time that I had the thought in my head this season um, that there were three other offensive tackles on the board, and we happened to go with this one. That yeah. was my first time this season thinking that. Like, you know, he was playing pretty well. Uh, and then on, on Thursday night going into Friday, I'm like, Mm, there was Wills, Becton, and worse there, and we chose Thomas at four when they all went late, whatever. <laughs> like, that's why and, – and that was probably my fifth time thinking Josh Allen was on the board. <laughs> no, it's it's fair. And, frankly, it's, all, it's almost like you can't really fully evaluate rookie quarterbacks after year one. And I think the same could be said for left tackles. Uh, you know, the, the Giants coaching staff they've brought up and Jason Garrett has brought up that Tyrone Smith did not look like Tyrone Smith after year one. Um, And then Tyrone Smith is now a borderline hall of fame player. He probably will not be a hall of fame player since he struggled with health issues. So, you know, for so much throughout the last couple of years, but in, in his prime, like, you know, I I would love to see the social media clips of Tyrone Smith just running 30, 40 yards downfield. And he's absolutely demolishing guys as running backs are running behind him. Um, That, that, those would be such fun clips. And he was so good. Now, that's obviously the hope that Giants fans have is that he can turn into Tyrone Smith. Um, but also, you have to think of situational, like, you know, the situations that are around Worfs. It's so, I, I think Stefanski's offense is so good. And I think, you know, when you have a good situation around you, um, it's easier to be a good player. I am, this is one of the first years in my this is my third year covering covering the Giants as like a podcaster. And I am now so sure as I'm watching the rest of the league, it is more of a coach's league than it is a player's league. 100%. 100%. Just seeing situations and seeing how guys can thrive in certain offenses and so with certain schemes. Um, now, Becton is in a terrible situation <laughs> and he was looking like the best left tackle out of all of them. And he was in the worst coaching situation. Um, time will tell with Andrew Thomas, stay patient giants fans, but you have every right to be frustrated. You do. Yeah. So now, now since we since since you were waiting so patiently, uh, we'll go to the tight end leader who leads the league since 2017 and uh, drop passes. And that's going to be Evan Ingram. 
Uh, it was a pass to the left side uh, down the field. What was it? 15, 20 yards, a little more. Maybe? It was, it was 20 plus yards. It yeah. actually was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he ends up dropping that ball. <laughs> that was in his hands. Uh, now I want David and Joku <laughs> and I want Evan Ingram gone. But uh, no, so the Giants have no intentions of trading Evan Ingram, so I can't even, you know, kind of touch on that. But we and you guys covered this, I think, in the first five minutes. Uh, oh, yes, you called Danny uh, on. Mm-hmm. If you listen to Talking Giants, uh, the most recent episode where they recap this one, uh, Bobby calls Danny King, who's been on this podcast before, too. Uh, I can't uh, I could find the episode later, but um he calls him and he said what's your pin tweet right now and Danny says is Evan Ingram a bust <laughs> and then Bobby says yes good night <laughs> yeah so. that was one of the blogs that got the most interaction because we try not to write clickbaity headlines I think the most clickbaity headline that I wrote with um with talking giants was the truth about Jason Garrett's offense which gosh don't go back and read it <laughs> Don't go and read it because I talked very glowingly about Jason Garrett and some of his tendencies, which it's now it's now it's now causing me to have a reflection process about how I look at analytics and how I look at things. And anyway, it's an internal it's an internal struggle I'm going through. But that's probably the most clickbaity headline we've wrote on the Talking Giants website. And Danny King wrote it is Evan Ingram a bust? And it got so much interaction because it's one of those things where <clears throat> people won't click on and read it. Because of the clickbaity headline, they'll just answer the question. Of course he is. No, he's not. He hasn't been used right, like without even reading it. So that was that was a funny way to start off the show. Um, and at this point, I mean, I I think you would say yes. Evan Ingram is one hundred percent a bust, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the injury troubles. Uh, you want to factor that in. You want to take in. Um, you know, the troubles he's had with the Giants, and maybe it's the Giants. Maybe if we traded him or in free agency, we let him go to another team and he plays extremely well. Then you're like, well, we saw it. All Giants fans knew it. We, we saw the glimpses of how good he can be, how, how athletic he is, how versatile he is or whatever, how fast he is. You know, it could be the Giants scheme, but I think the injuries mixed with just the bad play on the field just makes you believe that, yeah, he is a bust. Yeah. And I think, I think that, do we move on from him? I don't know. I mean, do we see enough from Caden Smith where we feel like he's, oh yeah, he's the Giants, you know, number one guy right now? I don't think so. I mean, we would have to see way more, you know. Yeah. We don't really know enough about Caden Smith. We've seen glimpses of him too, though. So, I mean, yeah. I guess you can put him out there, put him out there this season, bench. I, I mean, I don't think Joe Judge would bench Evan Ingram, but put Caden Smith on most of the snaps, put him out, yeah. you know, two out of the three or two out of the four, three out of the four downs. And, you know, if he does well, then keep him in, try, try him out. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think Caden Smith at this point deserves a shot because of what he did show last year. It actually, you know, he actually showed a good connection with Daniel Jones last year. And like I said, to kind of start the show, Evan Ingram is severely hurting this offense because I need I should actually I should actually do this for talking analytics this week. The percentage of Daniel Jones's turnovers or bad plays that have been on that have been on Evan Ingram targets. So, you know, it's a combination of yes, is the scheme hurting Evan Ingram for the majority of the season? Yes. But then this game, Evan Ingram had the opportunity. They were using him down the sideline, either up the seam or running an, a deep out route, not a five-yard curl and out route where you can't create separation and use your speed, but a deep curl route he caught on the, or excuse me, a deep out route that he caught on the sideline. So this was a game where we were like, yes, yes, this is how Evan Ingram should be used. So if it's not one thing, it's the other. And then he had the deadly drop, which I feel like the drops haven't even been a problem for him since 2017, his rookie year. I actually thought he's been pretty reliable when he's been on the football field. 2018, 2019, when he was on the football field, I thought he wasn't really dropping passes. That was really, so that, that's so wild that as Giants fans, we haven't been talking about Evan Ingram having a drop problem since Ben McAdoo, yet he's missed so many games. And you said that he leads the National Football League in tight end drops? 
Yeah, since 2017, he's he's I believe led tight ends and drops. I think. Oh my god. Yeah. And what? And what? He's played uh, maybe a, a half of those games. <laughs> I mean, that half. could be why. But oh wait, no, that I mean, no, that that would be that, that would, would be, be worse. <laughs> that would be worse. Oh my. All right. So two more things I want to get to now post game. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals do make a trade for New York Giants linebacker Marcus Golden. Really didn't see much of him this season. We had the thing with the whole uh, tender situation. I mean, I guess good job by the Giants. Six round pick. Is it worth it? I mean, it's not like we saw him on the field that much anyway. Interesting that it's the Cardinals out of any team because they yep. picked him uh, in the second round in 2015. He played a good, I think, four seasons with the Cardinals, had yep. 19 sacks, uh, and he's they really want him back apparently yeah um, so yeah, the yeah. thing is is that with the with, with his time with the cardinals two seasons were basically a wash because he tore his acl his third the start of his third season and then he came back the next year and they were using him as like a 4-3 defensive end where he was really putting his hand on the ground a lot of times and if you talk to if you talk to edge rushers who play in college as like an outside linebacker edge rusher where they're, you know, they're in a two point stance basically. And then maybe they start their NFL careers like that too. And then you ask them to put their hands back in the ground. They're going to say that they hate. And golden has talked about that um, uh, last year, last year, because uh, he was, he was on some giants huddle podcast where he was doing an interview and he was talking about that. Like, I hate putting my hand in the ground. So hopefully in Arizona, you know, it seems like he's really excited to go back to Arizona. I have a personal attachment to Marcus golden, um, I met him a couple I met him last year. I, I know the family. I met the family um, because I was one of the few podcasters to really talk glowingly about him. Like, Hey, this dude's good. Like he put up the 19 sacks in two years in his first two years that he tore his ACL. And typically it takes two full seasons to really get back to hundred percent from that ACL injury. So um, in terms of the value that we got back, I know Dan Duggan was asking some, was asking around with some NFL people, and he said the Giants probably could have gotten back a fifth rounder because the contract was so low, and he was, you know, he's still basically kind of in the prime of his career, probably leaving the prime of his career in his early 30s. I'm fine with them getting a sixth rounder. I'm, I'm even, I'm just probably the thing that I'm most upset about is the fact that O'Shane Zimenez, Lorenzo Carter were out for this team, and it feels like we were using Cam Brown. And Devontae Downs at like edge. And I'm serious. Devontae Downs was lining up as like a pass rusher at certain times, more than Marcus Golden, who is arguably the best pure pass rusher that we had on this team. While two of our starting edge rushers were hurt, Marcus Golden was still getting like 40, 30% of the snaps. That's the thing that I find most frustrating, you know, that we just weren't using him. Yeah, and I mean, it could also be we're trying to get back, like, comp picks, too, because we had, I think, two of them uh, in the last draft, one of them being in the third round that we took pair with, and we don't, I think, have any uh, going. I mean, we'll, we'll see because of the end of the season and if that yeah. changes anything record-wise. But, um, yeah, right now we don't have any comp picks, so that could be the Giants kind of just getting back at, at that. With that, I don't know. Um, That's what then, Dave Gettleman's best for get getting those comp picks at the end of the round, baby. That third round pick, you know, that third round pick that we traded Leonard Williams for that would have been at the beginning of the third round. Oh well, it's basically the same thing since we got since we got the third round comp pick for Landon Collins, except it's actually not the same thing because there's a forty player difference. <laughs> so tough. And then the last thing I want to talk about here is. Um, if there's anything worse that can happen, it's a COVID outbreak with the Giants. That hasn't happened, but oh, you have Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley without a mask at a bar. Uh, Daniel Jones saying, oh, this is before the season even happened. This is before COVID even happened. Um, well, then, Daniel, why are these images surfacing now? <laughs> if they're just you and Saquon at a bar before COVID, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, have fun, party all you want. I mean, you guys are one and six right now, so I don't know why you should be out like this. But anyway, during this time of year uh, with, with COVID going on, now they're facing backlash, uh, and we don't know if they're going to be fined. You saw the Titans finally got fined um, for their whole thing. Um, obviously, Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones do not have COVID-19, luckily, because we, we definitely would have heard about that. But 
Um, yeah, just, just some stuff that's come up here. I'm, I'm sure they'll be fine by the NFL, to be honest. Yeah, I, I don't know. I have been loosely following this because partially I I don't want to follow it. <laughs> I don't want to follow it. Um, it's It's one of the things of taking pictures of people in public and then releasing it without them knowing that you know, are taking videos of people in public and not knowing that they're going to be released and not knowing that you're being taped. However, on one of the pictures, they did pose for a selfie. There has been reports that it actually was from last year. I, you know, I, I don't know. Here, here's what I'm thinking of, though. The Giants are going to conduct their own investigation. The Giants are going to do whatever they have to do. And if this was something that happened recently, Joe Judge benched Andrew Thomas for almost an entire quarter for not showing up to a Saturday night meeting. What is he going to do to Daniel Jones? And apparently Sterling Shepard was there if this was from 2020. And I'm not saying that it was right, not saying it was wrong. You know, uh, everybody, what they choose to do in today's peculiar particular time is their business, right? It's their business, and I'm not going to really judge anybody. But if Joe, if Joe Judge is going to set this precedent of no nonsense, consequ- um, your, your actions have consequences, and Andrew Thomas was benched for almost a quarter for missing a Saturday night meeting or being late, he wouldn't even miss it. He was late. What is he going to do to Daniel Jones, Sterling Shepard? Um, I think Austin Mack might have been there too. I think Dan Duggan and, and Zach Rosenblatt um, have been doing some uncovering of that to say that there were some other people that apparently were there. Austin, did I say Austin Mack? Probably did. What are they going to do to those players? That's major, that's the majority of the offense right there. What are they going to do to those players? Because you would think that this action has much more of a consequence than being late to a Saturday night meeting. Am I right with that? Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Um, no, same thing. Like, loosely following it, I just wanted to bring it up quickly on the podcast since you know, this wasn't a factor on uh, Thursday or, or Friday. So I guess this is one advantage of recording later than expected. Yeah. yeah. But, but really, that, that's my big question. You know, if the Giants come out and say, yeah, everything that, everything that came out, it was from last year. And if they want to sweep it under the rug like that, good. And in a way, I'm hoping that's true. But regardless, I could care less if, if it was all true. You know, these guys are responsible for their own lives. If they want to go out and if they think that it's safe, and they don't want to do whatever you want. But if it was from this year, and if it's clear and apparent that it's from this year, what is Joe Judge going to do? What is he going to do? I think this is a big moment in his kind of coaching coaching career where if he wants to continue to preach this no-nonsense, are we going to see Colt McCoy? Um, we going to see Benjamin Victor called up from the practice squad because Austin Mack and Sterling Shepard are going to be benched for like the first half. What, what is he going to do? Th- that's my, that's my big, that's probably the biggest point out of all of this, at least for me, because I could care less about talking about the mass, the, this, the, that it's all personal and it's not for me to talk about. All right. So Justin, you're going to have to sit through this. I'm just going to get the outro done right now. Um, I love it. <laughs> we'll just do that. Go on Twitter, go follow at Justin Panic. Cause you know what? Let's just include you as well here. Go follow Justin Panic. Go follow me at Joshua29. Go follow Alex, who's not here right now. He'll be here on Thursday, hopefully, at Anorian23. Go follow the Giant Take Pod on Twitter. Go follow Talking Giants on Twitter. Go follow Bleeding Blue on Twitter. Uh, while you're on Twitter, also go follow Talking Blues Pod, uh, which is a Chelsea FC podcast that Alex, uh, Alex and I do. Go do that um go on instagram go follow talking giants go follow the giant take um do you guys do you guys have facebook yes we do have facebook go on facebook go follow at talking giants on facebook go follow the giant take on facebook um go check out the giant take.com and talking giants.com uh, I think we basically have the same thing. We have blog posts on ours. They have blog posts. You can figure figure out wherever you want to listen, go on either of the sites and you can find that out as well. Uh, and then you have, yeah, this would work out too. Wow. This is perfect. Go. We should just do this every episode. Go patreon.com backslash the giant take. Um, and you can sign up for our Patreon. And then also while you're on Patreon, go to patreon.com backslash talking giants to go uh go subscribe and join their patreon as well 
Um, this really lines up well. Go on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, give Talking Giants Bleeding Blue and the Giant Take five stars rating and review. Go subscribe wherever you're listening. And um, is there anything else I'm missing that I can group all of ours together? No, I think you hit all of the bases. I did not know you had a Patreon. I am going to go subscribe. Double thumbs up from me. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. No one can see that, but I, I did do a double thumbs up here in this, in this Zoom. Um, and then, oh, yes, what we like to say on this podcast or what Alex really likes to say, I've taken it in now. Share with at least one friend. Share with friends and family. Share on your social medias and tag at the giant take so we know that you did it because then that would be that. amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then at, at Talking Giants as well, if you want to do that for Justin, Bobby, and Danny. Um, and then, yeah, so that's going to be a wrap for episode number 54 of the Giant Take podcast. Going strong. We passed 50. This is Justin's third appearance on, on the podcast. So we'll keep that going as well. Fourth? Third. third. I don't, I think, I think it's the third. I think it's the third. Two I wanted it to be four. Two guest appearances and emergency co host now. This Love is, that. it's wonderful. It's wonderful. So uh, stay strong, big blue Giants fans. And um, Thursday, we'll have an episode sadly previewing the Monday Night Football game that I don't think is going to go so well. Thank you all for listening. Goodbye. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.